0: Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Abbott. We are joined by Bohemians player and Canadian international, Chris Twardek. Chris talks about his journey to Millwall and then his uh, journey to Ireland. Last weekend would have been the Wanderers home opener. So some fans share their memories of the first home opener in Wanderers history. In part two, we talked to James Janssen about his incredible drawings of some well-known Wanderers fans. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show! Uh, it seems that like most players are taking to Instagram to keep themselves from going. Saying, uh, Alfonso Davis seems to do something every day." So yeah. <laughs> so um, what, what did you uh, what did you think of his uh, his new contract?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, he's I think he's impressed and 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 you know possibly surprised everyone. Like so young to break in so comfortably and 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 thrive really. And uh, I think it's just a, a real. Uh, testament to himself and 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 the country, kind of growing as a whole. Um, but but really, the, there's not much more you can say other than it's been a fantastic year for him. And you know, it's 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 exciting to see a Canadian at the, the biggest biggest stage.
0: Yeah, um, and it was great to see him destroying Chelsea as well, right? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the top top level and to
1: be and to be a standout player on the pitch is it's something, isn't
0: it? Oh, it's, it's big time, and as you said, it's great for the Canadian game to have somebody at that level um, playing to the, to the highest standard. So um, long may it continue for him. Yeah. Um, so let's so start with yourself then. Uh, what started your love affair with football, and how was I growing up playing football in Ontario?
1: Uh, well, my brother always played. My dad's from uh, Czech Republic, so the European uh, culture is always kind of uh, around football. Um, but um, – but yeah, so I I always had a, an older brother to to uh, look up to and and play with and train with. So, um, so it's just kind of a a real football loved family. So so that was what got me into it in the first place.
0: Oh, nice. So uh, you were with um, Ottawa South United, is that true? Yeah.
1: So I started with uh, Ottawa South United as my my club team from from basically the beginning to uh, to when I left for for Europe.
0: So um, how did the opportunity arise to join Millwall? Uh, well,
1: I got scouted initially by Everton and spent a few years going back and forth uh, with trials and some interest and in going on uh, tours with them and whatnot. Um, and ultimately, I broke my ankle quite badly. And uh, it was at a stage where, you know, you're you're about to start the the uh, apprenticeships in, in Europe and, you know, signing for professional teams at 16 is really important. So... <laughs> Uh, so for me, I, uh, I got, I recovered from my injury and then I looked for the first opportunity that came and, uh, and it was a a scout from Everton. Actually, he, he got me in touch with Southampton and Millwall it was uh, set to be like a week trial uh, in each place. And then after the first week at Millwall, they offered something and I said, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. That's what I'm doing. I'll, I'll take that. And, and then I spent, um, you know, a number of years there and, and that's kind of what started off my, my career.
0: So that was kind of nice of Everton to uh, to still help you out after. Like I know a lot of teams after you've had an injury like that would probably I know it sounds terrible but put you on the scrap heap, right? So it was kind of nice they uh, kept in touch with you that way.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a good um, it was a, a really like a nice coach and he he was kind of tied into the Canadian club that I came through. Um, he uh, he came for a few. Uh, uh, a trips to canada to do some coaching and and so uh you know he 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 cared about my career and and he and he and he uh any he helped me out which was uh you know really important at that stage especially coming off an injury
0: how was the youth system at millwall on there how did it help you develop
1: uh well i think a, a lot like millwall's got a big reputation for being you know uh a real working class club uh they're really proud of the fact that you know their 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 team's going to be hardworking, hard hard to beat, physical, aggressive. Um, kind of a reflection of of uh, of you know um, the the supporters and and the the fan base that, that uh, you know supports the club. So um, from from that side of things, it was it was they ingrained like a real work ethic and, and aggression that that really helps you out when you're not at the top top level of professional football because often when you come to you know uh some of the lower leagues in England or Ireland or um or wherever it be Canada um you know it's important to be athletic it's important to work hard it's important to to put your body on the line so so it ingrained that in 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 uh in all its players I think um and and I don't think it built a false sense of uh false sense of um like as if you've made it or something like that. I think often when people enter these professional academies at, you know, uh Chelsea or wherever it be, uh, they feel like that's the that's where where they're they've achieved it and they've they've made it and and I think Millwall kind of ingrained that you you haven't made anything, you've you've got a whole career ahead of you that you've gotta earn. And uh and yeah, so I think it was it was a really good learning curve and, and you know, tough to be away from home at fifteen, sixteen and and kind of trying to build a career for yourself.
0: Millwall has always had that kind of reputation, and it's it's good that it kind of makes you uh, appreciate what you have, I guess. The, you made your senior debut for Millwall in 2017, is that right? You know what? I actually, you know what? You probably know better than me. I, Off the top of my head, I don't know exactly when it was. Um,
1: but, uh, but yeah, I made a – there's obviously different levels of debuts. Uh, I think my first appearance for the club was in a, a cup game um, – and but then you have your first uh, first like uh, FA cup game or your first league game. so for me, I always considered my first uh, appearance was uh, was was a league appearance in in the the championship when I came on against um, Hull and for me that was uh, that was you know a really special moment for me and it was something that I always worked towards and you know felt like uh, I was ready to take my chance and so it was it was special to kind of get the opportunity to play in a in a big big match like that.
0: So the the Den is one of the most like famous grounds in football in England, and the fans have a reputation as being put it nicely hardcore. Um, what what was it like? Uh, what, was the ground as intimidating as it looked? What's the what What was it like making your debut at at such an iconic stadium?
1: Uh well, you know what the the Millwall fans are are really good to their to their players. Like the young players coming up, they they uh, they really support them, and they're they're excited to see the the next crop of young players coming through. So. I always felt uh welcomed and and uh and you know um yeah welcomed i guess would be the best word for from the fan base to, to to step on the pitch and and you know represent their club so so that was always a positive but i think just from taking it in as uh, over the five years i was there or whatever it be um uh it was just kind of a real eye opener and really kind of crazy and and i guess special to to get to witness some of the best fans in england i mean you know there's you, there's the the hardcore fans that you know you can hear every word they're saying um <laughs> and uh and yeah so i think i think through it all that you you really got to see the highs and lows of the club i mean uh there was there was relegations there was promotions there was the, the brink of promotion um there was overachieving there was underachieving and and then overall it's it was just like a a big big uh exposure to to what a real fan fan base is like in Europe
0: so when, when you're um when you're about to, to make your debut like what's what's the what's this what's the feelings going through your head is it like is it nerves is it the adrenaline just pushing it through it like what's what's going through your uh, head?
1: you know what at my time at Millwall it was always uh it was always uh very difficult to make to make your debut not many young players made their debut over the the few years that I was there um and and I had a lot of experiences on the bench where I wouldn't have came on or traveled and was was uh, just out of the squad. So so for about two years, I was right around it, kind of like knocking at the door, or you know, um, the I guess the fact that I was around it for so long made it like that that bit extra where you just wanted to finally get on the pitch and and I guess kind of took the nerves away from it a bit, um, having been around the the team, around the players. Uh, and just knowing the environment of it all. So I think at that point it was just kind of like, just give me the chance. Um, uh, but but I can imagine the day of whenever it happened, I, I think honestly, I would not have expected it, and it kind of would have been more of a surprise than anything just because you know for two years you're you're thinking, maybe this is the day or maybe that's the day. and, and then finally it comes and it's almost like, oh, here it is, you know it's it's just kind of a bit of a surprise.
0: That's awesome um so was Neil Harris the the manager at the time when you were there
1: yep he was there for he was the manager for almost uh, there was three managers that I had uh throughout throughout the youth team or to the first team um there was Steve Lomas uh, Ian Holloway and
0: uh, Neil Harris Neil Harris was there for the bulk of it though as the manager Wow that's that's uh three three legends there um what's it like Neil Harris is obviously like a millwall legend uh what's it like uh, playing for him it, it like is obviously he's ingrained in the club um, you know what?
1: Like a that, little, that's, that's the best way to put it he
0: was he was ingrained
1: in the club he uh he was the record goal scorer he was the the fans hero he was um uh he was the the their their manager and and ultimately uh he represented the values of the club uh, of being you know uh in your face style aggressive uh direct uh putting teams under pressure being hard to beat um, hard to, to score against, and you know the four four two Millwall style. So his his he was Millwall, and 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 that's just the best way to put it.
0: Nice. Um, so you you had a couple of loan spells while you were there. You'd won at uh, Baintree in Essex, and then one at the opposite end of England with Carlisle. Yeah. Um, so when you're being sent out on loan like that, is it like you feel like, oh no, like this is me finished, or is there a feeling of like I'm going to go out there? and show them what i can do to get back in the first team what's what's kind of like the feeling for you
1: well i think honestly it's it's almost the opposite it's it's kind of like uh the reality is is that 90% of players once they kind of are breaking out of the youth team they don't dive straight even if they receive a professional contract they don't dive straight into the the you know the championship into the first team squad because it it is it is a massive difference you know youth team football to to you know playing against norwich or you know, Hull or Barnsley or whoever it be, it's it's uh, there's there's a it's a completely different uh, kettle of fish, you know. So, um, so I think that the the thing is is when you receive a loan, you look at it as a massive opportunity to to not only just prove to the the coaches that you're ready, but also just to, to develop to develop because you know at that stage you're not quite ready. Uh, so my first loan was whenever I was 18 and uh i was kind of desperate for a loan at that point like i wanted the chance to play men's football and and it also gives you that little bit of extra stability if you were ever to be out of contract you know the fact that you've played professional games or um you had the exposure to men's football it's it it it, it puts you in a bit more of an attractive bracket for coaches to to sign you um because if you just uh, only ever played youth football, then um, then teams generally won't be that intrigued by you to, to sign.
0: That, that kind of makes sense, I suppose. Like, I mean, if they they probably might send a scout or two out, but like there are obviously if you're playing in in the leagues, like the proper league, they're going to send you more chance for you to be in the shop window. Um, what, was there a big difference in the, the playing for those kind of lower league teams and playing for Millwall? Like was a it was a big. Uh, Dynamic yeah, the way that the game was played. I think
1: uh, my first loan was well. The first loan was a great experience for for a lot of things. But I was uh, eighteen. It was my first exposure to really the the non league. Um, the so it was with a relegation battling team. I stepped in for you know a month. I signed for a loan and did really really well. Got a few men of the matches and an assist and. Um, and then I went away with the under 20 national team and it was all like pretty positive. And then, you know, I came back and it's closer to that last two months of the season. And, you know, the teams uh, in the relegation zone and you see the real, real pressures that happen at that stage, you know, it's huge finance financial ramifications. If a team doesn't stay up and they're going to lose out on, on, um, you know, that money of being in, in that division and going to the lower one. So, uh, it was, it was tough and it was, it was a big, big learning curve. And, and then there was, there was obviously the loan to Carlisle and similar to that started really well and, um, uh, uh, got an assist in the first few games and, um, and was thriving and, uh, and then ultimately, like towards the end of it, I found myself out of the team a bit and and again, then there's that a new new learning experience where you have to you know prove yourself and and try and get back in and and it's just the the pressures of you know performing and the reality that if you don't have a, a good match, you know somebody is there to take your place no matter the level. It's a lot of pressure, huh for sure and and you don't realize it but but in England, like the you know the league one, league two. Uh, conference uh, especially league one league two and, and the championship like the level is very high and there's a lot of money in it and there's um and there is like deep squads like you'll see like in each position there'll be two three players like chomping at the bit to play so um so it's it's it is a big um uh a big competitive more competitive than i think people from from north america would probably perceive it um and and yeah
0: so, um, unfortunately, you were released by by Millwall. I know it's kind of part of the game. It's it's the the kind of that people don't really like to, to think about or whatever. But, um, like, how personally do you deal with the disappointment of being released? That was
1: tough. It was it was a tough time for me because you know I didn't expect it. I was actually under the impression that I was getting a new contract, and I was actually called in for a meeting after the season finished. Um, and you know I was fully expecting to receive a contract. And, um, you know, I was started the loan really well at Carlisle, like I said, and ultimately didn't end at the best. Um, and I was injured at the time. So, you know, being out of contract and injured, it, it's a tough place to be because you can't really um, present yourself uh, in a trial setting. And, you know, do you really want to fully disclose, um, you know, um, how fit and ready you are to start right away? And do you want to make that as your first impression whenever you are not 100 percent? So So it was tough. And. And ultimately, I signed with Sligo, and uh, and it was an eighteen month contract. I, I kind of knew myself that I was going to have to bide my time. I was going to have to, uh, you know, get through that early stage, whether it be playing through injury or maybe just taking some time off. Um, I knew that was going to be the reality, and and ultimately, um, uh, it worked out. It worked out for the best because you know I kind of got my rhythm back and, and got over the injury and 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 uh, had a successful season last year with with Sligo.
0: Yeah so uh speaking of Sligo um how was life at the showgrounds uh like was the was the style of play different from England um and like how did the move come about for you Uh
1: well actually funny enough I was I was just I think walking in a grocery store and I got a phone <laughs> call from a number I didn't recognize and uh, I picked it up and it was um it was a, a an agent that was Irish uh connected to to Sligo and you know he said to me yeah. um would you be interested in in you know coming to ireland and playing for for a team in the top division and i said uh well i did i really didn't think about that as an option at all in the first place of you know going to ireland and uh at the time i was kind of eager to see what what could come up and if there was anything that uh that um you know abroad in europe or wherever it be that uh, would be an option so so it came up, and and I I looked at kind of the options that were there, and I felt that one was the best because, like I said, it was eighteen months, and you know I knew where I was at at the time that it was going to have to be kind of a long term plan to to show my best eventually. Um, so so ultimately, I I loved my time at the showgrounds. It was uh it was tough at the beginning because I knew I couldn't really uh, give my hundred percent or or reflect who I truly was as a player, but uh the next season came about and i i got myself back to 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 you know match fit and, and injury free and and kind of as the season grew on i kind of got better and better and you know was was getting tangibles with goals and assists and and uh you know i played every match that season so it was really good for for personal development of of uh of just you know looking at your game where your flaws were and where where you could improve so yeah, it was a it was a it was a really important year I
0: think for me last year. And is the uh, what, what's the difference in the style of play in Ireland from England? Uh, you know what it's.
1: People often ask what what the levels compare to, and and it's it is hard to say because Ireland's so spread out with its um, with its standards. You know the teams at the top four in the league versus the top the bottom two in the league. It's it's uh, it's it, there is a big difference, I, th- I think and you know obviously financially the top four teams get the european uh money so that's gonna really push them forward each year so so it's important for teams to get that uh get that that money um so i think the the irish league is it's quite technical with with a lot of players and i think there's a lot of ability with um with individuals and i think you know uh maybe physically it's a bit more physical in england but it obviously depends where you go because you know the bottom leagues in england could be very physical and once you get up to the league one maybe it's a bit more technical you know so it's, it is hard to compare but uh but yeah
0: yeah um so like obviously you're you're calling us here from uh ottawa uh you're living in london and then suddenly you end up in sligo which uh, for anybody who's not from ireland it's kind of a wee small little t- town really in uh the the northwest of ireland so h- how much of a culture shock was that for you
1: well I, honestly for me because in ottawa where i live is, is quite rural and it's uh and uh you know there's farm fields around there's forests around so i was used to kind of the, the the not being in a big city and and to be honest after five years of being in london and and just you know the disappointment of not receiving a new contract i I was ready to I was ready to to explore like a new lifestyle, a new culture, a new league and and I think it was good for me to be kind of in a bit more of a quiet uh settled area and I I moved over with my girlfriend to uh to an apartment there and you know it's a lot cheaper in Sligo than in London so it's a lot more affordable and um and yeah it was just important to to enjoy football and and get back to try and get back to the the highest level I could I
0: can play at. Nice. Um so november last year uh i think it's november uh you moved to one of the most famous clubs in ireland uh, bohemians um what's what's the club like and do you feel the pressure of the history of it you know what
1: uh my experience since i've moved has been nothing but positive the the very welcomed in by the coaching staff and the players and uh and the fans um and you know what it's it's it, it, f- it feels like a step up because you know the it's a lot more professionally run i think um just with with uh you know the the number of staff that they have and and um and you know the ambition of europe this year i think it's it's uh it's really positive for uh, for for ireland that that it's moving in the right direction i think i think the league probably is improving over the past few years and you know budgets are probably kind of uh, recovering and, and getting stronger again you know you see uh Shamrock and and Dundalk uh, they both have you know 52 week contracts which um you know it's it's uh that's that's important for players I think um and that's not to say that Sligo wasn't professionally run it was a great club and 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 you know what they have they've got their own way of running it with, through the community and and getting massive massive donations from from its its uh its community which is you know fantastic they don't have a you know a massive uh like donor to bring money in or or the money of Europe at the moment so, uh, so for them, uh, it's, it's really well, well run as well, but, but just in terms of, you know, the coaching and the, the standard of training and, and, uh, you know, reflection on video, it was, it's something that I feel kind of back to, to a level that, that, uh, could, could push me forward in my career.
0: Nice. Um, so your, your first league game for, for Bose was against the, the old enemy, uh, Shamrock Rovers. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. What what a what a cauldron to be uh, thrown into for your first game. What was the uh, the atmosphere like, and uh, was it like anything you played in before? You know what,
1: uh, it was. It, I think it was the perfect timing to have the to have the derby game. You know, the first game of the season, and and over the past few years, those games have been really really good, um, and and pretty even with Bose kind of probably edging it over the past few years. Um, but. Uh, you know what overall disappointing with the result and uh to to lose on a last minute goal but you know the whole experience was really really good and it kind of broke me into the club well you know to see the fans at at full uh full passion and and you know uh and to to kind of have one of your hardest matches out of the way right away and and you know uh yeah it was just it was kind of a nice way to settle in kind of you might as well get thrown right into the the gauntlet rather than just kind of tiptoe your way in
0: it's a, it's a really good way. It's a really good way of putting it. Uh, being thrown into the gauntlet like that, um, yeah. It's, it's definitely seen as like one. I, I'm from the north side of Dublin, but I actually support Shamrock Rovers. So uh-huh. uh, my, my dad doesn't talk to me an awful lot of times so, because he's a Bulls <laughs> fan. Um, so, so um, you, you scored against your uh, former club Sligo when you when you were playing. Do you, yeah, I think you played five games so far.
1: Yeah, uh, five games. Yeah, and
0: so, yeah. Scored um, against how, how bittersweet was that? You
1: know what the the actual uh, like emotions at the time of the game you know it was it was uh it was it was a tight game and and it was we were one nil up at the time and you know there was a lot of fouls um you know that I suffered throughout the game and and it was it was uh it was a tough game and you know just emotions were high and then it was nice to score kind of at the at the end of the match and and uh and I probably celebrated a bit more than I should have <laughs>
0: <laughs> I saw that I was I didn't want to bring it up <laughs> <laughs> what's the level though it's, it, as you said it's the raw emotion and like I mean like, like uh, some people think that when you score against your former club you shouldn't do whatever but at the end of the day you know you, you get paid by Bose right exactly
1: and I think like any any player you kind of just follow what you thinks right for, for your career at the time and it's nothing against any club but yeah it was just it just felt like the the, the right the right move to go to Bose and, and so far it's been, been nothing
0: but uh, what I wanted it to be so the, the the league's obviously been uh, curtailed. It was at the towards the end of March. There, um, have you have they have you heard anything about when it's going to start back up or like where where we are?
1: Uh, you know what, I I don't know anything, and I'd say your your guess is as good as mine. Um, if if it's talking on hope, then I'd love it to be back as soon as possible. But obviously, that's has to be sustainable for the clubs. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they what they decide to do, but. But I'm optimistic that they'll that they'll be a, a season to finish and uh, and hopefully it's you know as soon as possible.
0: I, I guess it kind of works because of the way the the league works in Ireland. It kind of goes through the summer. Um, it kind of gives them an opportunity, I guess, to finish it off. And like where in England, they they've only got a couple of months to finish out. So um, they, we might see like a shortened season or something. That's what I'm kind of hoping. <laughs> yeah, so.
1: Well, we already do have a shortened one. It seems like instead of thirty six games, it'll be dropped down to to twenty seven. Um. So we've played five, so there'd be 22 games left. Um, and, you know, I think whatever the case is, I think you'll see that it'll be a pretty tight cluster of games. Um, you'll see big turnarounds, uh, close turnarounds, sorry. Uh, you know, m- maybe you won't have as many week offs between matches and, and it'll be kind of, you know, Saturday, Tuesdays or Friday, Tuesdays, whatever it be, Friday, Mondays. Um so I think I think just purely speculating, I I imagine whatever it, it'll be that there'll be a lot of games in a in a short period of time.
0: It's kind of sad though for for you, I guess that um, this would have been your first foray into uh, European football. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that's probably not going to happen this season. So um, that's it, kind of a shame for you, I guess. But um, hopefully, you both do well enough to play again next year. Um, yep, yeah. so so to take it back here to, to Canada um, we talked this a little bit beforehand the, the CPL saw its uh, inaugural season last year um, have you been following it and has there been much talk about it amongst the Canadian players in Europe
1: um, you know what I actually had uh, a few um, well I had Daryl Fordyce there in, in, in Sligo last season and Sam Ward, Sam Ward had um, I don't know how exactly he's connected to to canada but i, I believe he's a canadian citizen um and daryl fordyce i think has uh has a residence in canada as well he's the, he's playing now with uh with valor but uh but I think you know the the three of us we spoke about it quite a bit and kept tabs on it and just kind of saw which which teams were thriving and um and yeah it was it was good to see uh, it was good to see a positive start to the the, the the whole the the, the new league, um, it's exciting and I think it's something that Canada should have because the the demand is there. I think there's a lot of people that you know love football and and the sports growing uh, from the grassroots and and it's important. It's important that f- players have a, an outlet to to bridge their way to higher levels and it's important for players to to see a to see an option to become a professional rather than at fifteen sixteen you know um, having forced to make the decision do i go abroad to to get that chance and you know they can still still be closer to home and and you know uh keep their talents uh in canada
0: yeah it's it's definitely uh it's nice for them because i mean the only option really is is to go to the states and play in usl or whatever like that so it kind of does give a great um opportunity for for players who probably would have just fell off the grid right so
1: exactly I, I had a number of good teammates in in ottawa with uh, with Ottawa South united and i think the reality was at at uh whatever the age is, eighteen sixteen seventeen uh you know the the prospect of university comes in and if there's no there's no offers coming in from europe then 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 it does kind of come to a decision that you know all those years of hard work and and you know a lot of ability going out the window uh to to possibly uh, lose out on a chance to sign with a professional team. And, and the CPL provides that for the, those who do see that as an outlet that they want to explore.
0: Would it be a league you'd be interested in playing yourself in the future?
1: Uh, I think for me, uh, I am I never say never to anything and I'm open to whatever it uh, be. Um, I, I'm ambitious to kind of explore the world with my career and, and you know, play at the highest level I can play in. So um, I'm looking to just have as... as, as as strong a season as I can, uh, and and look to see what opportunities uh, come up, and and uh, and you know, just enjoying my time at Bose. Nice. Have you ever been to Halifax? <laughs> uh, you know what? Okay. I've, I've never been to Halifax, uh, but it's it seems like a like a, a fantastic club, and I think that's probably one of the most appealing teams in the league.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, they I think of all the teams, they brought the, a kind of a very big European atmosphere to the, to the to the, to the to the grounds, and it's it's certainly a lot of fun to uh to watch the game. So um, even if you uh if if you don't get to play here, um, I'd recommend you go out and watch a game. For sure,
1: I'd love to see any CPL game. Maybe, you know, it's it's it'll be uh it'll be uh, hopefully the league comes back. You know, similar to Ireland, and and I won't have a chance to watch it because I'll be playing in Ireland. Um but uh but no, I'd I'd love to go to a game. It, it seems like uh it seems like the league's really started positively.
0: Awesome. Um so just switching gears just to your uh your international career. Um so you played in the prestigious Toulon tournament uh for Canada under twenties or twenty ones, I'm not too sure.
1: It was um, it was labeled as an under twenty-three team, but I think generally the age was uh was quite young. It might have been an under or it might have been an under twenty-one labeled team, but uh, I think we roughly the team was kind of nineteen twenty.
0: So it was kind of first time participating, and as I said, it's a very prestigious tournament. Uh kind of didn't actually do too well. So how was the tournament for you? And was there any uh kind of standout players that you, you you saw like play against or play with? Uh
1: you know what? Uh Jonathan David was very good and he's done very well over the past, you know, year and a bit. Um uh so so I I'm not surprised to see all the success that he's having. Um and uh and just you know there's a lot of talent there there's uh i can't remember the full squad off the top of my head but but lots of those players um are are playing in the MLS or uh or just had their kind of breakout seasons where they're getting some 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 minutes in 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 you know a top league in the MLS so uh so there was uh, Jonathan David was was really good uh Theo Bear was was good he was he was a young player at Vancouver Whitecaps um uh, Shamit Shom, good player as well. He's at uh, Montreal Impact. Uh, so yeah, so I think a lot of those
0: players are are, are doing well. and It's good to see. Nice. Um, so you, you've you've played uh, two full internationals for Canada. Uh, what what does it feel like making your debut for your country? And um, uh, do you see yourself uh, getting into the squad in the future?
1: Uh, you know what it was my, so my first one was with Octavio Zambrano, uh, with, uh, uh, with a match in, I think it was Houston, Texas. And I was against El Salvador and the whole thing came as a huge surprise. I was just in, I was in England. Uh, I was just breaking into the, the, the championship team hadn't made my full league debut yet. And, and, uh, you know what, I got the call and I actually thought it was a 23s call up and I was still excited for that. And then, you know, I, I kind of, Got more information, and it was a full men's call up, and you know, I just kind of, I knew that Millwall was a strong club, and if I could do well there, that I could do well with with the national team, and um, and it went really well, and uh, and ultimately it led to to my debut. So that was that was really special.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine it's uh, like not everybody gets to play for their country. So um, <clears throat> you did you did play. Obviously, you said your dad there was uh, is from the Czech Republic. Um, you got to play a little bit of underage for the Czechs. Yeah,
1: so that um, was 17 to, to 19.
0: So if you don't want me asking like why why they switch them back to Canada? Uh well, you know what, it was it was uh Rob Gale who uh, I was in contact with. And he
1: was the manager of the under 20 national team and I had a good relationship with Rob and um you know, we spoke about it and there was the opportunity for under 20 World Cup qualifying and uh I think uh, that was something that uh that was exciting and the under 19 team uh the last call up that i had i think uh i didn't make the final team for the euro qualifying for the 19s but then i got a call a few days later saying that i was was selected for it so it was a big decision to make you know do i try and pursue the under 20 side with uh, the canadians or the under 19 side with the Czechs for that for that um uh, under 20 world cup qualifying and you know i just had to make the decision that was best for me and and ultimately i was proud to play for either but but uh, i am canadian and i grew up here so it seemed like you know the right time and and
0: uh I, I wouldn't look back or change anything on it great um it's definitely an exciting time for the canadian national men's team um just like so many players coming through that um i, I honestly think it's definitely a team to watch out so do you think uh, it, we're going to have a successful World Cup when it's here? For sure. I mean, you look
1: at uh, Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, and um, and you, you you can't not be excited. Uh, there's there's many more good players that I could mention, but but yeah, it's it's exciting. The the I've had the chance to work with John Herdman and and Morrow and and it's it's really well run. It's it's exciting to be a part of, and it kind of keeps you. Um, motivated and desired to to get yourself back into it, uh, back into the fold, because you know it's uh, who wouldn't want to be a part of something successful. So, um, so yeah, it's it's. I think that there's nothing but positivity going around in, in the the Canadian setup right now. It's great, it's great.
0: Um, so uh, I don't want to keep you here all night, man. I, I could oh, okay. talk about football forever. Um, so we ask everybody who's on the show, um, what's the three the three players uh, in world football that you kind of look up to or you were inspired by?
1: Well, Czech player, Pavel Nedved. So that was a
0: awesome. uh, Ballon d'Or winner.
1: Uh, obvious reasons, you know, he's Czech and that's where my dad was from. So, uh, and he was like a, an attacking player. So, um, so Pavel Nedved, um, I think just Ronaldo's determination and, and his work ethic is something that, 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 uh, I think anybody's motivated by and, and would aspire to have even a uh, uh, a portion of that that uh, desire and, and motivation. Uh, so Ronaldo Nedved and probably somebody like exciting uh, Eden Hazard, Suarez, uh, just direct kind of uh, exciting players. So that's that's kind of who I'm uh, motivated by.
0: Yeah, it's it's um it's funny that um everybody normally mentions Ronaldo, but they they don't always talk about his uh his talent. Like obviously he's got bundles of talent, but everybody just talks about his work ethic and like how he takes care of himself. He's definitely an inspiration, huh?
1: For sure. I mean, uh, I try and I try and work as hard as I can, and you know, whenever you see players like Ronaldo, or you know, you see like the top athletes like uh you know lebron james in any sport you know you just see how committed they are and and it just kind of gives you a reminder like you know that's what it takes that's what it takes to to achieve what you want and you know it's you're not just going to get it by you know imagining it or dreaming it you got to kind of do what you can to to make yourself better and and you know uh achieve the highest level you can
0: great um so just before i let you go i just have a couple little questions sorry so uh what's your favorite irish snack food
1: Favorite Irish snack food? Pfft, tough one. Uh, I can't even think of any off the top of my head. My girlfriend would be better. She loves uh, <laughs> snacking away at <laughs> foods. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to pass on that one because I can't think of any off the top
0: of my head. Uh, your favorite Irish beer?
1: I'd have to say Guinness, if that counts.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess like you could put. The snack food and the beer together, because I guess Guinness is like a meal in a glass, right? So
1: yeah, you could. I, I don't I don't drink much, but I went to the 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 Guinness tour in, in Ireland, so I'd have to say that one. That one was uh, it was cool to see.
0: Nice. So you pulled the the point at the Gravity Bar overlooking the city. Exactly. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, are you addicted to tea like every other Irish person? You know
1: what? I actually the opposite. I was I was I drank so much of it in London when I when I played there, but. You know, I stopped. I kind of drink uh, a bit more herbal tea and, you know, got myself off caffeine a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, probably, it's, it's funny. Like, my my mom probably drinks about 10 cups of tea. I think that's why Irish people talk so fast, is that we're like all hopped <laughs> up on caffeine. Yeah, my mom, she, she loves,
1: she loves uh, her tea.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Um, it's like, so whenever I get a care package from back home, there's always like a, a big box of tea bags in there because Canadian tea isn't quite the same. Uh-huh, so, yeah. um, I, I really appreciate you uh, hanging out and uh, talking football with me. Um, hopefully the league gets kicking back on for you so we can see you back uh, playing for for Bowe's for and um, be careful when you play out in Tala, okay?
1: <laughs> That's it.
0: Thanks a lot, man. No worries, buddy. Stay safe and I uh, hope to see you soon. Yep, stay safe. Take care. Cheers, buddy. Rest between the pages of my mind. Memories. Sweden through the ages just like wine. Last weekend would have been the first home game for the Wanderers in the new season. Unfortunately, with everything that's been going on, that was cancelled. So we thought we would... Reach out to a few fans and get their memories from the home opener of last season. So, without further ado, the fans!
2: Hi, this is Denton, and my favorite memory from that first game was before it started. We were all gathering downtown to get ready for the March to the Match, and this couple came up to me, and they asked if this was the right place for everything to to start, and I thought well, this is neat, because obviously they were unsure of the city, and I thought well, we're getting some tourists already interested in this, and so I was chatting with them about how neat it is to have a team in Halifax and all that, and then they mentioned that it was actually um alex de Carolis's parents that i was talking to and they had come out from sarnia to see their kid play in uh, his first home game and you know that that's when just this nice warm fuzzy feeling w- washed over me thinking yeah this is this is going to be really good for all of canada hey guys blue faced wander here um uh, just reminiscing on our first home game last year and you know it's, it's absolutely phenomenal the atmosphere that we had there at the uh, at our first home game so we st- I started off my day down at Niche um, you know meeting up with some of the fans down there and it was absolutely packed everyone was having a few drinks and then it kind of emptied out and people went to the march to the match I was waiting on a friend so I, I missed the march, but I went up to to the field and I sat in section 109 in the very back and just watched the match with some friends and uh the atmosphere is is incredible thinking back on it you know everyone was cheering everyone was yelling everyone was chanting it 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 really made your adrenaline go and you know it was a very exciting time and you know winning that first home match was crucial and it was absolutely incredible you know the the fans and how they reacted with that first win and i'm hoping that this year in our first home game we can do the same thing and be louder and you know get a get a beautiful victory for the fans after all this that's gone on so i'll see you guys there my best memory from the first game was seeing all the players after the game at dirty Nelly's. it was totally unexpected and it was a great bonding moment but the highlight was finally seeing the kitchen in action cuz Everybody were practicing chants and everything, but at the moment, everything went organically well. And it was the best moment of and the best memory that I have from the first match.
3: Hey, it's Mike Campbell with the 102 Crew. Um, I really enjoyed watching the replay of the home opener from last year on YouTube the other day. It's great to feel that energy again, see those goals and, and see all the the amazing fans at Wanderer's Grounds. We were down in uh, next to 101 where the uh, Forge Travelling Support was seated, the Barton Street Battalion. Uh, met a lot of them that day and uh, shared some beers and some pies and uh, made some friendships that have continued on to this day. And... Um, Given how the season went for both teams last year, it was uh, it was great to take three points from them that day in a, a memorable victory.
0: The second part of this show is sponsored by the Armchair Commentary podcast. It's a sports podcast that's based here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It's hosted by Dave Smith and Steve Steele. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to check it out. Um, we are joined by James Jansen. James is an artist based here in Halifax and has done a series of amazing drawings of Wanderers fans. Um, welcome to the show, James.
3: Well, thank you, Anthony.
0: Uh, we're really glad that we, uh, we got you to come on. Um, so I, I guess the first question I have for you is, uh, where did the love of art come
3: from? <laughs> So I guess that's a open-ended question. <laughs> uh, I've kind of just always been interested in art from you know a young age, from the moment that I could really pick up a pencil. I um, had some relatives that were super into it, so kind of just picked it up from them as inspiration in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's kind of just stuck with me over the years. I never took it as a career path or anything else of the sort, but I've always just... It's always been, you know, with that passion in my life to focus a lot of things around. Um, So it's been all through the years, just painting and drawing and sketching and everything else of the sort. So I I guess with um, the the situation
0: where now you've got lots of spare time to, to, to keep it up yeah like
3: i also currently have a five-month-old daughter so she takes up a lot of oh, my, wow. <laughs> my free time as well right now so i, I uh, if it was different circumstances i probably would but uh, a lot of my time is currently <laughs> dedicated towards her um but when i do uh when i am able to i'm definitely sitting down and still trying to focus on as much art as i can uh i like with the current circumstances i was actually one of the lucky ones who's still able to work during this crisis uh and the pandemic so When I'm not, you know, working my standard nine-to-five job Monday to Friday or spending time with her, I'm definitely trying to get in as much art as possible.
0: Yeah, Kids are so needy.
3: (laughs) Especially (laughs) at that age, mate.
0: So uh, how long have you been a uh, football fan?
3: So uh, actually, it's kind of... Interesting. So I've never I never grew up watching uh football whatsoever. Uh, I was never really part of like a sporty family. Like my sister played baseball and that was kind of like the extent of sports in my family. Uh I, you know, was one of the ones who kind of just separated himself as far away from sports growing up, you know, like <laughs> didn't even want to learn how to ride a bike when I was growing up because it was too athletic for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just separated myself completely from it. Just like rather just hang out with my friends, play video games, that type of uh, environment around me interested me. So then as I, I got older and started working in different workplaces and everything else this sort of actually started. Uh, you know, sort of fantasy sports at work or like betting on pools and stuff. And I think the first thing started off with a, you know, an NCAA basketball pool at work one day, and it kind of got me interested in following along with the sports because obviously, you know, money and pride and bragging rights are on the line at work. So (laughs) it went from that. And then immediately afterwards was the uh, 2014 world cup, I believe it was. So, and then with that, we got a group. There was a couple, you know, football fans at work, and had some conversations. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll enter in this pool that we're going to go ahead and put together. Uh, and then before you know it, I organized the entire thing, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching, you know, three games a day, and I'm just fully fully immersed <laughs> in it, right? And uh, that and that was fantastic. I ended up winning the pool because I had, uh, you know, Germany. So that was, you know. Amazing, and even got me further invested into it, right? And so, then after that, I kind of fell away from it a bit. But I was so intrigued from watching the games because I would sit there, and it was almost like a, as a decompressing time when I watched it because it wasn't—it wasn't like when you're watching like a full action-packed. Uh, like let's say cocky or anything else well, where you can kind of distract yourself from or multitask yourself during it. Like I'm sitting there and I'm painting and I'm drawing and stuff while I'm watching all these football games. Uh, and I kind of fell away for it a bit, like a pop back up when the Euro Cup happened in 2016. Um, like, you know, obviously the same sort of idea, but then oddly enough, when the World Cup was going on in 2018, that was right around the same time that they announced that the Wanderers were going to Halifax. And I remember, like we were, we were really interested in that work. And I ended up sneaking out of work a bit early because I heard that they were uh, doing the announcement down at underneath the, you know, the the new center, uh, the new Nova Center. So I snuck out of work early, and I went down there, and I was just so intrigued uh, from just watching all these fans gather and, you know, already cheering for a team that doesn't even fully exist yet. You know what I mean? and yeah. as soon as they announced while i'm standing there that like you know season tickets are open i immediately hopped on my phone it was one of like the first 50 season ticket like, deposits right so i'm just like i was like you know what like i'm I'm getting into this and because uh, just as i said just seeing all that that fan support and everything else this the sort and sure like i followed the world cup again all through 20 the 2018 world cup and stuff but then as soon as the Wanderers are releasing like news article and news, like, you know, week after week, as we progress we get closer to the season, uh, just my love for it just increased tenfold. You know what I mean? I ended up uh, just jumping feet first into it. Uh, and then ended up creating and captaining my own uh, football team. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? Never, play- oh, wow. never played sports before. I want to jump right into this. And uh, we didn't, we weren't going into it because like, it was weird because like none of my friends were really interested in sports either or for what it seems it never really came up in conversation. But then as soon as I started talking to a few of them about my interest in in football and everything else, of the sort, you start, all these people started coming out of the word work being like, hey, I was actually on the provincial team growing up. Or, hey, I actually went to nationals when I was younger or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? It's it's weird that it, because it just wasn't prevalent in the, the conversations that I was having with these people, it, all of them had... A lot of them had actually such a passion for playing, and so before I knew it, you know, I had a whole team filled, roster filled. Uh, we played a season. We didn't do well whatsoever, <laughs> but you know what? It was it was well worth it. the The season actually concluded like a week before the Wanderer season uh, kicked off, so it was like perfect timing as a as an interlude into it. And I guess it was just kind of history from there that's
0: that, that's awesome um you, you, you kind of know you've been uh hooked by football when you're sitting there watching paraguay against slovenia at the world cup or something you know Yeah, no,
3: exactly like i think my big team was like cameroon for the entire thing i was like man these outfits are wicked you know these kids are great and uh yeah it was just it just went from there man uh so, so the uh the, the wonders have been a, a
0: huge success mm-hmm. here in the city um what, what do you think has been the secret of their success
3: uh, I think it's a, it's a big combination of things, right? Like they, ha- they're kind of like partial of their success is their location, which is prime location. I mean, right in the heart of Halifax in the city, that's almost been deprived of a actual pro sports team. Like, sure. We've had, you know, we had the moose heads, right. And we have, which is like a semi pro, whatever their classification currently is. And we have the, the hurricanes and the rain mad, um, but it was just, it always just almost felt like something was missing in a way, you know what I mean? So then when the Wanderers got announced uh, and all of the, you know, the football fans, as I was saying, even previously, not even just referring to my fan group, had to come out of the woodwork, it's, there it was such a, a fan base here for an appetite for it already, right? So... It was good, really good that they actually had the, almost like uh, the game with the Atlantic Selects the summer beforehand. I actually went to that one and that was fantastic because uh, you were they were able to kind of gauge what the interest from the city would be. And even with that versus, so this team, you know, made up from random Atlantic players versus this group of like 17-year-olds from Germany, <laughs> uh, even still, you know, pretty much sold out, you know, from just like limited advertising, pretty much from what I've seen. And... It just showed right there, like, this was pretty much going to be, like, a, a more of a long-term thing. And the fan base has just been absolutely fantastic, and the the staff have been super accessible, I've been finding, whether it just be on social media um, or through the email communications and everything else of the sort. They've been a really great representation of the sport in Halifax, I've been finding, and great ambassadors for it. Um, so as I said, like I think it's just a large mixture of and concoction of just everything working out right for it being such such a success here.
0: Yeah, I, I, the the Atlantic Selects game, like it, it kind of worked out perfectly for them that it went to penalties and Oxner saved the penalty and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that set everything out perfectly. You know, mm-hmm. like there was the everybody was super pumped that they won and. Um, it, it kind of just set everything off on the 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 right footing, I, I thought, and th- even that that game itself, they, um, the um, that the the setup was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the the ground was really well put together. The amenities were really really good. So yeah, they they definitely gave everybody the the. the the hunger to, to have the, the team in the city here. So I think they've done a really great job with it. Um, yeah, yeah.
3: Like I remember uh, when I, I went to the game, cause I convinced my, my wife to go to the game with me and who's also never been a sports fan in her life. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and she like brought, brought along her best friend and I brought around a, a, along a couple of my friends and stuff and went to what they had as the beer garden, which wasn't the beer garden of where it is right now. It was on the opposite side of the pitch. Right. Um, and we're, they have this like just fence set up right behind the net and i remember standing like right behind the net where oxner saved the penalty from just how wild the celebration was right and it it almost just that sucked you in for like how things were gonna go right you're getting this pumped over this game who you don't like i had no idea who anyone was at that point right i didn't know who (laughs) oxner was i didn't know who any of these people were i was just cheering for this team in blue right (laughs) and but it was just like the atmosphere was just crazy and it was just something that i really wanted to immerse myself in i felt further so that's kind of helped jumping in to it
0: so um where where did the uh inspiration come from for the
3: the fan drawings uh so with my art and stuff like as i said like i've kind of just always done it through my you know entire life and i remember uh, like ten years ago, let's say to rewind a bit, uh, you know, I'd always like always like drawing and doing all these different designs and stuff, and sending them over to my friends. And remember one time, one of my friends asked me if I could uh, draw them, right, mm-hmm. just randomly off bat. So I decided, you know, I'm going to draw this person. And then before you know it, all my fr- entire friend group asked me if I could draw them as well. And I kind of enjoyed the aspect of converting these people that I know and I'm familiar with into this into my own artistic style right so i would go ahead and i'd do that and it, that kind of i kind of carried that trait throughout that the past, previous 10 years of like whether it be like co-workers and anything else of sorts just doing like random caricatures of people and uh, you know once the season kind of died down and stuff i just kind of sat there and i i guess i wanted to give back to the fan base for being such you know such integral parts to my summer right and the previous six seven months before i started drawing them um all the different introductions i've made to people everything else of the sort and all the new faces that i've met so i kind of i guess i kind of want to bring that trait forward and pay them back by giving them designs of themselves in a way and really highlighting all of those people that i've ran into uh, who i really feel like uh make the games what they are, right? Make that game day as uh, all-encompassing as it is by being, you know, the the characters that they embrace themselves as, right? So whether it be like like I, I remember I started with uh initially my first two drawings that I had made were Denton and Blueface Wanderer. You know, I'm like two of the more notable fans who really <laughs> jump all in, right, when they're when they're getting ready for game day. Right it's <laughs> an understatement exactly <laughs> but it's because it's such it's such a character that they jump into I just feel like I needed to illustrate that you know what I mean I needed to kind of bring that trait forward and illustrate them how they're almost perceived as and yeah, you know, I guess it kind of just roller coastered from there and I just really wanted to continue that along with everybody all the fans who I feel like make up the Wanderers grand and make it what it is and stuff like that
0: that, that's awesome. It's it's also a cool way to uh, kind of capture that that season in um, yeah, for, forever kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, you'll always have those kind of... You kind of look back at your drawings and say, wow, that was incredible. Like, you know, like um, as you said, like Denton and stuff like that, when you know them as... outside their characters, they're totally different to what you expect them to be from, like, what they are as uh, football fans. Um,
3: exactly, <laughs> right? Like, and it's... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, you hit it on the head. So, so uh, what's been the reaction from the fans that you've drawn? Uh, it's been pretty positive from them. Uh, I feel like a lot of them are either, or just like a lot of them are very surprised because uh, it's it's weird. It's like almost sort of like when I do have drawn some of them, it's that they personally don't feel like they've been as much of an impact on game days and they're not as notable as some of the other fans, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you know everyone has their own part to play in making those game days of the way that they are, right and everyone should still be recognized for that, and I feel like that's kind of my my way of giving them back to them, as I was saying um so they've been like surprised and super thankful uh for kind of you know highlighting them with everybody else <laughs>
0: It's definitely a uh a badge of honor one
3: you know it's been it's been super nice.
0: So are we going to see a self-portrait?
3: Um, maybe once I run out of the six thousand fans to draw, you know, <laughs> uh, we might we might see one at the very end. You know.
0: <laughs> so um, you, you also have uh, drawings in the um, the, the cookbook, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Denton's uh, unofficial fanzine. Yeah. Um, how did the uh, the fan art, like the uh, the mascot thing, come? So, come yeah, come? <laughs> so that
3: was some of the initial stuff that I had drawn, right? So I did that all throughout the course of the season before I started drawing the actual fans. Um, it was just, you know, I, I I've never been involved in Twitter before the Wanderer season, to be honest, right? And uh, I remember just like. So when I jump right in and I'm watching, you know, mascot release videos and I'm like, what have, what has my life become? Right? And I was getting, getting pumped up to just see the starfish in a purple uniform. And I'm like, okay, like, this is what I'm getting excited about now, I guess. And so uh, I took, I, I just... <laughs> yeah, just like through <laughs> through the Reddit threads and everything else, the sort and people like discussing about which mascots the best and everything else. The sort of got, I guess, I kind of just took that and started wanting to illustrate scenarios. And for some reason, it fell into those mascots in wrestling environments. You know, with using weapons on each other and everything else. I think <laughs> the first one that I ended up drawing was. Rover against uh, Yorkie, who also rest in peace, Yorkie, because they ended up retiring him this year um, already. And <laughs> I, I, I drew that, and the fan reactions I posted in the uh, the Facebook group because uh, that was the only real you know group available that I was except like had access to, I guess, which was pretty active at the time. And I remember I posted that in there and it got pretty big of a fan reaction. So, I, you know, I, I did a, an additional one of, you know, Rover versus Stewie. And then I did this big one, big four uh, panel scenario between Rover and Vic from Valor. And then uh, whatever, Torchy or whatever, his, uh, <laughs> the guy from Ottawa Fury with like an appearance by Kurt Larson and stuff like that in it. And it was just... It almost as at that point that was how I viewed myself giving back to the community, uh, until um, once again that I figured out I wanted to highlight the fans because this was all very early in the season. So do you think you're to blame for
0: uh, Yorkie's demise? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually uh, I was commissioned by this. York, a York 9 fan, to do a memorial portrait of Yorkie. Um, so <laughs> I guess it all came full circle. So. <laughs> so, so
0: right now there's probably a man sitting in his house with his costume hanging up on the wall going, you faster.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly.
0: <laughs> So uh, do
3: you have any uh, plans to draw the players? Um, yeah, like I, I feel like, uh, you know, obviously the players get a lot of recognition, right? Um, I did do, I did draw one player, actually, um, which was uh, Rigi, because I've seen that he hadn't changed his profile picture from an illustration of him as a Phoenix Rising player. And so I kept on being like, "When is this going to change?" So I, uh, <laughs> so I ended up drawing him just quickly as a Halifax Wanderer in like the exact same format that he was in previously, and sent it over to him, um, which he now used as like his profile picture and stuff, which I thought was cool. Uh, so he refreshed his social medias with it. Um, but I feel like, as I said, like uh, a lot of the players get a lot of recognition and stuff already. Um, which is fair, you know, they do a, a lot of hard work and everything else. That's what I kind of just, as I said, just wanted to to give back to those fans, right? So maybe maybe in the future.
0: Um, maybe you might get a commission from the, uh, the, the, the club. Yeah, who
3: knows?
0: To... <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll listen to one of my shows and uh, they might, this might be the one. <laughs> so um, I read somewhere, I think it was in the Signal article that you did, that you're doing a series on Forge fans? Yeah, that so one... I,
3: the, back in January, because I kept, like I'm, I'm you know I'm constantly posting. Whenever I post on uh, my Instagram account for like those who want to, um, I also post on Twitter. Um, and I was reached out to by one of the Forge fans who actually came down here for uh, the home opener, and he was just talking about like how big of a game it was for them and how much of like a, the unity it brought together, like for their supporters, it was like the first away trip that they had taken and everything else of the sort. And he asked me if I could draw a group photo of 15 of them. Um, so back in January, I did a big, illust- big illustration of a group photo of the 15 Barton street battalion fans and, yeah, and supporters. And it was actually really good. They're, uh, they're a really good group of people. That's awesome. Um
0: so uh, I, I just looked at the uh the, the read there. <laughs> <laughs> I do I, you know what I, I, I've seen it like so many times, I just didn't realize I didn't realize it was you.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so um so, so where can people actually see your, your stuff? Um so my all my illustrations and stuff are available at uh you know those who wander to my instagram account that's where i post all my art pertaining to the wanderers and every now and again i post um some of my other side illustrations that i make digital illustrations which typically pertain to nowadays events i guess like there's been a couple of illustrations that i've made about surrounding uh, the current situation we're in um with like you know, Stephen McNeil, saying, either blazes is home or Dr. Strang is Dr. Strange. And... Oh, that, that one,
0: that, that, that's like one thing, When I saw that, I like, I laughed so much. It was...
3: Yeah. <laughs> I so it's uh, like, I, I post a lot of those. And I did one of like Tiger King and stuff as well. Like sometimes I just sit there and I'm like, you know, what can I illustrate? And it just kind of keeps me. It's like, as I said, like, it's like a decompressing way through me doing my art. Um, but I also have paintings down at Argyle Fine Arts that I've done. Um, and I've done a couple, like, murals and stuff uh, for the city, uh, which I've, are spotted just in various places around. So so uh,
0: people should go down to, when all this is over, go down to, it's on Barrington, Argyle, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Argyle Fine, Fine Arts is on
3: Barrington. They've been a, a pretty big supporter of my... Uh, art over the pre- uh, past couple years. Um, so I have some paintings down there and then if they ever want to go down to the Metro park behind it, I did uh, five art installations all throughout that parking garage and stuff too. So.
0: Nice. Um, and what are your social media?
3: handles? Uh, social media handles. I have my, you know, Instagram.com forward slash those who wander to, uh, Instagram.com forward slash James Jansen, uh, but at this point you're probably just gonna get overwhelmed with pictures of babies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so and those are my my main two social media handles as well as on Twitter, it's uh twitter.com forward slash Jansen. So I just replaced a J with a Y. So, you know, I thought it'd be cool, I guess.
0: <laughs> so if a if a uh, if a certain podcast host wanted to commission a drawing of him with a
3: beer and a microphone <laughs> how would he go about that uh, I'm sure you <laughs> wouldn't have to commission me like you guys have done enough uh, with really trying to interact with the fan base and the with doing these interviews with players and fans like myself and stuff like you know it's the least that I could do to kind of give back to you right so it's it's really uh, I really appreciate as I said, all the hard work that you've been putting into the podcasts uh, podcast world right now with this so thank you as well Oh,
0: really appreciate that. So um, hopefully this season we'll see something. Um, Today, I think Alberta said that they're banning all uh, gatherings for the summer. So I think we're probably going to see a fall league at this stage. So, Um, yeah, it's trying times. But, um, you know, we have... Fun, fun teams <laughs> like you to keep us going with uh, your, your drawings of Dr. Strang and uh, State of Blazes' home. So thanks for joining us, James. We really appreciate it. And um, we'll see you in
3: the kitchen. Is that where you normally yeah, hang I out? Actually, uh actually, I'm typically right in the front row of 108. Um, I'm not one of those ones who take their shirt off at every game, mind you. But uh, <laughs> I'm right there in the front row. So, so it's, a, it's a pretty all-encompassing, uh, you know, <laughs> section of... The, the grounds
0: <laughs> so
3: yeah so um, hopefully we'll we'll get to see
0: you uh, at some stage of the season and uh, sounds good. Care. thank you very much Anthony thank you to our guests Chris and James we really do appreciate you taking the time to hang out and talk some football with us thank you to all the listeners out there we really do appreciate your support thank you so much Next week, we have Matteo Restrepo and LBG of the Wanderers on the show. So make sure you don't miss it. We also have Jack Murray TV on. Um, Jack is a local Halifax footballer that's making some waves. So make sure you don't miss that. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.